0: We finish up our series in the book of Psalms for the summer that we've started. And our Psalms today will be two different ones, Psalm 22 and Psalm number 69. Psalm 22 and Psalm 69. As people, we share many experiences and we live through similar situations And some of them are not particularly important, uh, whether it be the roller coaster at Darien Lake or driving through a snowstorm or shopping at Aldi. You know, we share certain experiences that are not life-changing. But occasionally we go through trials and more serious situations that are not common to everyone else. When my mother was 65 years old, she was diagnosed with a form of Parkinson's disease. And for seven years, her health very slowly deteriorated. She lost first her motor skills. She couldn't use her hands. She couldn't button a button or write with a pen. And slowly she lost the ability to walk. And then she lost the ability to talk. And the last thing was her ability to swallow, a long, slow deterioration that finally took her life. And then my older sister was diagnosed with the very same disease, and she went through the same process and died at a young age. And now my brother has been diagnosed with that same disease. And so I find that when I meet people who have loved ones with that disease, that there's a certain affinity and sympathy that draws me closer to them. I think of Sandy and Gary Sanford who are now in that same situation. And to share in those life-changing experiences helps to form a special bond. Same is true with cancer patients. They have a special bond They find a common feeling and a sympathy with each other, as do expectant mothers. And now I'm learning senior citizens also have (laughs) a common bond. And so we have life experiences that draw us closer to each other. It's a good thing that we can care for and support each other as we go through the trials and situations that life brings in our text today david shares his troubles and his trials and when he does he finds sympathy in a very unusual place for me personally these psalms we look at today are the most fascinating and the most amazing psalms in the whole book My friends, remember what the Bible is. It's a unique, very unique book. It stands alone as something very special and very different from every other book. Long ago, God went in search of a faithful man, and he found a friend in a man called Abraham. So God first chose a man. And then Abraham had a family, and God chose a family. And Abraham's grandson had 12 sons, so God chose a tribe. And those chosen ones went to Egypt because of a famine, stayed there for 400 years, and God made them into a nation. And Moses led them out of slavery in Egypt to freedom and onto the promised land, and so that nation had a home. So why? Why did God choose that one man and that family and that tribe and that nation? Why did he bless him the way he did? Well, there was two reasons. Number one, God himself was planning on taking a human form and coming down here to live on earth. And he would be born into a human family, God's chosen family, And Jesus the Messiah was born as a Jew. Now the second reason for these chosen ones is God chose the Jewish people so that they could write a book that we call the Bible. It was to be a history of God's people but a whole lot more than that. This book was to be written To answer the four basic questions of life. Who are we? Humans created in God's image. Number two, why are we here? To please God and to honor him and worship him. That's why we've been put here. Number three, where did we come from? God created the human family and gave it amazing abilities. And number four, where are we going when this life is over? We go to meet God and to be judged for the lives we have lived, good or bad. Now the Bible explains the human condition and also explains how we can choose to live for God and not, or not to live for God if that's what we choose. And the Bible gives a remedy for the human condition, Jesus Christ, the Savior. And so it was various men, Jewish men, were inspired to write various books that when they joined them all together into one book, told a common story. Now the Bible it was written in a very specific method, and we told of it in Second Peter. He says, For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost that is God came on these men and helped them to know what they should write and how they should say it and so he used people speaking through them to write the Bible and then we're told again receiving the end of your faith even the salvation of your souls inside of them urging them whispering in their ears and they became fascinated with what was being said and they diligently said tried to search out understand who this promised one who this messiah was the one that's coming in the future who is he and what will he be like and how would he provide salvation They really wanted to know more about the things that they were writing about. In Psalm 22 and 69, the ones we look at today, David writes about the Messiah. He's going to do his part in that job. So I have always wondered, how did he do it? How did he do it? What did he feel? how was he inspired how did he know what would happen in the future my friends you and i don't know what the future holds we have no idea who could ever guess that churches all across america would be closed never imagined such a thing would happen we don't know the future who would ever have guessed that terrorists in 9-11 would fly planes into the buildings in New York City. We have not been given the ability to see into the future. It's a closed door to us. We might take a guess. We might try to predict, but we do not know what the future holds. What makes the Bible unique is that its author's prophesied the future with amazing accuracy. There are 37 different prophecies about Jesus the Messiah. Everything from Micah prophesying he'd be born in Bethlehem to Zechariah prophesying he'd be sold for 30 pieces of silver and Isaiah's prophecy that he would be buried in a rich man's tomb amazingly accurate prophecies and on this amazing list we find david's prophecy about jesus the messiah now for the fascinating part of this story you have to remember david is writing music when he's writing this song he's writing music songs to be sung and added to the Jewish hymn book. And I'm sure when he wrote music, he had a musical instrument in his hands. You kind of need that when you're writing music. And his favorite was this small harp with 12 strings, which he played very well. But the theme of these psalms is a very dark theme. And his emotions are full. And he chooses music to go along with that dark theme that he's writing about. And the words pour out of his heart and he plays in a minor key that dark song that he's writing thinks of that dark music and that dark song so let's look and see what he was thinking about psalm number 22 as we begin let's see what was on david's mind as he wrote this very dark music psalm 22 verse 1 my god my god why hast thou forsaken me why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, I am not silent. Down to verse 6. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despise of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. And they shoot out the lip and they shake the head, saying he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him and then down to verse 15 my strength is dried up like a potsherd my tongue cleaveth to my jaws has brought me unto the dust of death he feels abandoned by god he's in such turmoil because people are against him on every hand all around him people are against him People pour scorn on him, he says. They mock him and they laugh at him. And he feels the life is running out of him like he's about to die. That's how he feels when he writes Psalm 22. Now we go to Psalm 69 for more of the very same. Look at verse number 1. Save me, O God, for the waters are come into my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into the deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully, are mighty. David said he feels like he's sinking down in the mud and the waters are rising and about to overflow his head and he's about to drown in his trouble. He's cried until there are no more tears. No more tears because he used them all up because people hate him and he says for no reason. They don't hate me for any good reason. And he's enemies, he said, are strong and they're united against him and it has overwhelmed him. And he cries out and calls out until his throat is dry from crying to God for help. Now, what's happening with David? Well, David was anointed to be king when he was just a teenager, maybe 17 years old. But at that time, there was a man who already was king named Saul. So David, just a shepherd boy, goes out one day, hears a big giant named Goliath defying God, takes a slingshot in a stone, knocks him out cold, and pulls a giant's sword out and cuts off the giant's head. 17 years old. Instantly, he becomes everyone's hero. <laughs> But King Saul has a disease called jealousy. And he tries to kill David. He throws a spear at him. David gets out of the way and then escapes. So Saul sends people to David's house to kill him while he's in his bed. David escapes out the window. And then Saul takes 3,000 soldiers. That's a whole army. And pursues David. David hides in the deep woods, and he's living in caves. And other people find out where David is hiding, and they run and tell Saul, he's over here, he's over there. Anywhere he goes, he's a hunted man. Why? What did he do wrong? Nothing. As he says, they hated me without a cause. So as he's running and hiding and fearing for his life, he cries out, God, help me. Everybody wants to kill me. They're laughing at me and they ridicule me. My strength is gone. I feel abandoned and forsaken. Both of these Psalms express the same feeling. Dark, depressed, betrayed, and abandoned. Everybody wants to kill me. Now as David composes... Or as he's writing his song. He tells his misery and expresses his life experiences. And someone who has the same experiences. And the same feelings. Comes to him. See Jesus knows what it feels like to be abandoned. Jesus knows what it feels like to be betrayed. Jesus knows what it is to feel scorn and contempt. Jesus knows what it's like when everybody wants you dead. So between David and God, there's a bond. It's a deep sympathy. God knows what David is feeling. And as David writes his song, his sad song, God draws very near to him. And David can feel now the presence of God right with him. My friends, i got to tell you, there's nothing in this world like being in God's presence. It's exhilarating. It's energizing. It's inspiring. It's captivating. More thrilling than any other experiences you can ever have. David draws, God draws near to David. David feels like you can feel his breath on your neck. He's so close. So David goes on to write some more of the song as God is breathing on him Psalm 69 verse 19 thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor mine adversaries are all before thee reproach has broken my heart I am full of heaviness I look for some to take pity but there was none and for comforters but I found none they gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. That's what he added on. Now back in verse chapter 22, listen to what he added on here, "My strength is dried up like a potsherd, my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. Thou hast brought me into the dust of death, for the dogs have compassed me." The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots on my vesture. And David stops. And he looks at what he wrote And he just shakes his head. And he says to God, I'm pouring out my soul and I want to tell the truth about my experiences. But the things I just wrote aren't true. No one ever gave me vinegar to drink nor gall either. No one ever pierced my hands and feet. No one ever cast lots for my garments. I can't write these things that aren't true. And God said, but David, they are true. Maybe not about you, but about me. Those things are true of me. God felt close to David. God felt the abandonment and the betrayal. And God felt that everyone wanted to kill him. And so... He shared with David, and he told him, David, that's what they're going to do to me. You can write it down in your music because it's true. That's what's going to happen to me. Listen, if you will, to the record of it. I'm in Matthew 27. When they were come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall. When he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, that's David. They parted my garments among them, and on my vestures did they cast lots. And down to verse 41, Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. Now David said that they would pierce his hands and his feet hundreds of years before it ever occurred to any human being to crucify a man on a cross. And Jesus knew what it was like to be hatred. He heard the crowd in its mad screams crying, Crucify him! Crucify him! The soldiers took his coat and gambled for it at the foot of the cross. And the Jewish leaders, as he hung on the cross, said, come down from that cross. You said you believed in God. Let's see if God will help you now. Just like they said to David. So David wrote things that he couldn't really understand, but he knew they were true. Not of David. of that coming Messiah but for the most interesting point to me is in Psalm 69 we finish the verse that we started verse 4 they that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head they that would destroy me being mine enemies wrongfully are mighty then I restored that which I took not away. The Jews hated Jesus. And all he ever did was to go and heal people and rescue people and teach people and love them. But he said they hated him without a cause. The Roman Empire crucified Jesus, a worldwide power. But then listen to what it says it says then i restored that which i took not away that wasn't david david didn't restore anything that was jesus restoring he said what he never took away Man was created. Humans were created and put into a garden paradise and they were to walk and talk with God every day. And that's what Adam and Eve did in that beginning. But man rebelled against God and he lost the relationship with God. And the first sin was to taste a piece of fruit that looked so sweet and delicious. When Adam and Eve tasted that sweet fruit, they lost the relationship with God and they did it themselves. It was their own choice. But Jesus comes to restore what he never took away. And so he was nailed to the cross and he tasted the bitter vinegar and the gall And as the Bible said, he would taste death for every man. That's how he restored to us what he never took away from us. He gave us life. He redeemed our souls. He threw open the doors of heaven with an invitation that said, Whosoever will may come. And Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me, restoring what he never took away. Because of Jesus, we can have a relationship with God. So it was David wrote about Jesus. He gave a detailed account of what would happen to Jesus. Despised and hated and abandoned and betrayed, just like David. But crucified, not like David. Pierced in his hands and his feet. Mocked on the cross and hated. They gambled for his clothes. They pierced his hands and his feet. They gave him vinegar and gall to drink. But he on the cross restored what he never took away. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, David, for these rich, dark songs. Thank you for explaining to us what Jesus did, restoring what he never took away. So the fascinating process where David wrote about the future, hundreds of years in the future, has helped us to understand the love of God that we find in Jesus Christ our Lord. And we learn that in our trials and in our life experiences, we have a Savior who can identify with us, who knows how we feel, who will come to us and whisper in our ear, and he gives us an open invitation. Come, come to me and open the door of your heart, and I will show you a new paradise. I'll restore what you lost. Come and eat at your table, I'll walk with you and talk with you. What a wonderful Savior we have, restoring what he never took away thank you jesus shall we pray dear heavenly father we thank you for what you did and for what you suffered beyond all other men we can't express how we feel we're sorry for what happened but for restoring us again we are eternally grateful and we thank you down inside our hearts And we don't know how it seemed that you whispered in David's ear these things, but we're awful glad you did. And we thank you for showing us Jesus. We might know who he is. He's a wonderful Savior to us. We appreciate those musical songs that taught us about Jesus. We thank you for the Bible, for the truth that's in it, and that God's truth is marching on, we are eternally grateful. Bless us now as we cling to the cross and the truth and the wonderful things that you have done. Pray in Jesus' name you will bless us here because we have been here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Closing like you turn to me, hymn number 93, in your hymn books, if you will. Hymn number 93, hallelujah. What a Savior. Standing as we say, number 93. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Page number
1: 93. Dear Lord, we are grateful that you are such a Savior. Such a Savior that comes when we feel abandoned by God. When we feel like we cannot get near. When we feel as though we do not know what is going on around us. or There is hate and mocking and scorn. When our faith seems to lose its strength. When we are in those places, Lord, we know that you will be there. The precious blood of Jesus will wash over us and restore what he did not take away. We are thankful that we can be restored. No matter what state we are in, we may come to you and ask for forgiveness, and you will wash us clean we are thankful that you are there during the dark times as well and that you really have never left us though we may feel it you are always there and you know what it feels like to be alone we are thankful that you were the man of sorrows in this life you know the sadness and the loneliness sometimes it comes about in our life we ask that we would feel nearer to you closer to you feel the breath of god on us at all times we ask for this for all of this people in this place all the people that are listening may we feel your presence in our life in our daily life as we go back to do the things we need to do help us and help us to know how close you really are to us we thank you for your forgiveness your salvation your perfect gift to us we ask for protection and desire to come back to this place and fill our hearts with more of you. In your name we pray.